0: We're, uh, subordinating the self to another. Imratzal osif, afilu meyamane mosif. We start the fifth peric of, of ktuvot today. Uh, and we start with the Mishnah that carries the name of the peric. Afal pisham ru betula gova Matayim Mana mana. Imratzal osif. Uh, uh, afilu Meyamane yosif. Even though the the amounts fixed to the for the ksuba is uh, two hundred uh, for a, a, a non, an unmarried previously unmarried woman, and one hundred for a, a previously married woman. And nevertheless, if the husband wants to add to that, he can add as much as he wants, even 10,000 or more than that, he can add whatever he wants to the ksuba. And as the Gemara explains further on, it all becomes part of the ksuba. It's not a separate gift. It's all part of that the package that is called the, the ksuba. And in understanding this, we we have a very interesting little piece that we'll that we'll learn today. Uh, I, I find that when I, when I travel, I like to, and I'm sure you're all the same, is to relate not only to the place where you're travelling to, but if you want to relate to the spirit of where you're travelling to, you need to relate not only to what's happening in the, in the present at the time, but also to the history of the place, because the, uh, a place absorbs its history. And the history is something that uh, that is embedded and saturates every every corner, every stone, every passageway of the places you, you visit. Joey, that's probably, you do that all, all the time, and you enable your guests to be able to appreciate what the place is. So when I go to Eastern Europe, to me, I, apart from looking at the places, what, what I really try and feel is the Gedolah Israel of the... Uh, of the last couple of centuries, what, it, what, what those are, the people who've influenced the way we think and the way we learn Torah. And all of that in Eastern Europe, and you see the streets on which they walked and the cities in which they lived. This is what what's really important. And as you know, I was in France uh, a week or two ago, uh, and there, you, there there are different layers. So yes, you're in France and you think of the Impressionist movement in art, and you think of Napoleon, and you think of the French Revolution and all of that history. But layered on top of that, uh, when I'm in France, I think of Rashi. Uh, I think of the whole Tosfus school. We've spent a lot of time over the last couple of years talking about the school of Tosfus and what that has given us and what that has taught us. And the Tosfus school starts starting with Rashi's grandchildren, with Rabbi Tam and, uh, and his brothers uh, and, and his nephew, the Riyazachem. That's all the Tosfus school, all starts in, in France. Um, and, and today based on a 12th century conversation between Ri and Rabbeinu Eliyahu Paris. So we're going to learn a real conversation that happened between Ri Azakain. Ri Azakain is the nephew of Rabbeinu Tam and the Talmud of Rabbeinu Tam and the great-grandson of Rashi. So he's one of the founding pillars of the Tosfus move, movement. And Rabbeinu Eliyahu Mipariz he was a dyan in Paris, and a big Talmud Chochem in Paris. When I walk through the streets of Paris, I think of Rabbi Eliyot mi Paris, and think of Rabbi Yechiel mi Paris, that Paris was a place of unbelievable learning and terror. And you think about the terrible burning of the Talmud at 1242 in 1242 in Paris, and how that changed the whole the whole new attitude to anti-Semitism, instead of attacking the people attacking the Torah, the physical Torah, burning the Talmud, what a terrible thing that was. And how we recovered from that. And here we are, hundreds and hundreds of years later, learning a conversation between the Riyaz and Riyaz and lived in a place called Dampierre. Dampierre is about 200 kilometers from Paris. Uh, and there's a road, and you can see, you can imagine that when he went to visit Rabbein Eliobi Paris, he went along that road. Imagine how long it took him to go those 200 kilometers uh, and 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 speak to him about this question that he has. Right, the uh, It's it, it's just so beautiful. And this toast that we're going to learn, the first toast fest in Peric al is a toast that everybody should learn from beginning to end. It's not difficult to understand. The concepts are subtle. And... Um, but, but the Toysviz has a modern flavor to it. As you'll see, the kind of issues and the way it reasons has quite a modern flavor to it. And that is, although the real content of the toastfus in uh, in Ksubis are from uh, Rabbi Shimshun Mishans. Uh, Rabbi Shimshun Mishans was a Talmud of the Ri. So he's already a, a, a little, bit, a little bit later, and he brings the Torah of Rabbi Nutam and the Ri, uh, and a lot of the content here are the shiurim that he gave. Rabbi Shimshun Bishantz gave these shiurim, but it, the Tosfos seems to have been later edited by Rabbi Leozemituch. Rabbi is already thirteenth century, so he's already towards the end of the fourteenth um, century. He's already towards the end of the Tosfos the Ballet Tosfis in France, the time of the Mayram Rutenberg. So he's edging over towards the more modern period and you see some of that modernity in the way that he thinks and the way that he reasons. Um, so, so the question that the Tosfis deals with is that it says here you can give as much as you want in the Ksuba. What happens if a man writes a million shekel or dollars into his Ksuba? Says to his wife, I'll give you a Ksuba of a million dollars. If something happens to me or, or I divorce you, you are entitled to a claim of a million dollars on my estate. But he's a pauper. He doesn't have anything. Can, can you write, can you be meshabeid yourself, can you obligate yourself to, to enlarge amounts of money that you have no ownership of? And Tosfah says, in fact, Temo, Nowadays, people, a chosun, a give each other a hundred litrin, however much that was, but it was a lot of money. Afopi she'en pruta, even a chosun who doesn't have a, a penny to his name, writes in his ksuva, a hundred litrin, And he says, it's all very well if a person has property and he obligates himself. Then that, that shibud, we're dealing with a concept called a shibud. And a shibud is the rights that one person has in the property of another. Even though he doesn't have ownership in that property, he has rights in the property. The same as if you own a property in in Israel, the chances are that your bank has certain rights in that property, that you don't own it 100%, unless you've had it for a long time or you're very wealthy. Uh, The chances are you might have the ownership, but there's a shibud, there's a mortgage. The bank owns it, has a right into it. Uh, And we use Shibudim often. Whenever you lend money to somebody else, if it's Bashtar, if you write a loan, to somebody else, automatically the lender has a right to your property. Uh, so other than, it's something different from ownership. It's a right to claim from the property. <coughs> and Tosphus says, if the chosin has some property, then that property can expand in value. So if he said, if he, if he owns a, a piece of property worth uh, $10,000, and he's mishabed himself for a million dollars, says Tosfus, I understand that. But if he has nothing, so no shibud starts now. Nothing can be committed now. I have no property to, to be able to give you. If I have no property to be able to give you, then what shibud, there is no shibud. I'm not, there is no commitment. So the ksuba is a joke. The, the ksuba then becomes something which is not real, asks Tosefus. If a person doesn't have money, doesn't have property, How can I subordinate property which I'm going to acquire but don't yet have? That is considered like a davar shalom ba'al olam. You cannot be makna, you cannot transfer ownership to another person of something that doesn't yet exist. And that leads us into interesting questions about, about various instruments of finance and, and, and shares and things like that. To what extent one can trade? In terms of kinyanim, is it considered a davar shalom You can't sell a future uh, when, when the future has nothing now. Now, when we talk about futures, there is something now. You're just talking about a future value of something which exists now. But you can't sell something in, in halakha which doesn't even exist now, and asks Tosvis, this young man who's obligating himself to a million dollars when he doesn't have one piece of property, where's the, where's the property that he's being beshabbat? It's something he's going to get one day. That's Zavashulah That's question. That's why I said it's a very modern kind of a question. So we see the influence of, of uh of he took the later The and here's the conversation I was referring to that Re from Dampierre asked Rabenuelio from Paris and they had this con- this question was so important that this occupied their conversation and we sit in on this conversation Re asked this question to Rabbi but he shivlo and Rabbi Eliomi Paris answers, answers him that we do have a precedent for this, and that is Shemesha Abed Gufol Zehachov Me'ata. He is the, the Shibud, this concept of Shibud, the rights that the other person has is not in the property. The rights is in the individual. So the wife has a right in the husband, to claim any property that he will acquire. So it's not, he's not giving him a right in the property. He's giving him, a, he's giving her rights in himself for the property which he will acquire. And he's a davar sheba he's in the world. And therefore, therefore the shibud takes effect from now, and this is not just a kinyan dvarim. Now to understand this, and I'm taking you through this, we're only just touching the surface, there's so much written, there's an important Rosh on this, on this piece as well, there's a lot, there's, there's so much on it, I'm just touching on it, to get to the point where there's an insight about Ketuvah, which impacts our understanding of marriage. And, and to get to that, we need to understand Reb Shimon Shkop's explanation of this piece of Tosvis. Rabsimon I've spoken to you before, so now we go to Eastern Europe, now we go to modern Eastern Europe. Rib Shimon Shkop was the, the Rabbi of Myrrh and an influencer in the whole system of learning in Tells, where my father learned and other rabbis of mine. So Rib Shimon Shkop is a very important influence on in the way I understand Torah. And Rib Shimon Shkop ha, has an, a, a principle based on, on Iran, where he says that just as a piece of property can be divided into pieces or an object. I can own half of this table. I can own a quarter of this table. I can own one hundredth of this table. We can divide an object into small pieces. We can divide a property into small pieces. And I can own a share in a property. Rab, Rab Shimon is, the idea of timeshare. We think timeshare is a modern invention. Well, it's fairly modern. It's Shimon Shkop invented timeshare. Rav Shimon says, just as you can divide a property into area, pieces of area, you can divide it into pieces of time. So if I have rights in your property for 10 years' time, that right is now, because I've got a piece of your property. So if you think of property in, in multiple dimensions, you think of it in a spatial dimension, and you think of it in a time dimension, Just as if I own only a piece of its space, I'm a partner. If I own a piece of its time, I'm also a partner. And even if that time doesn't start from now, the time starts in 10 years' time, I'm still a partner because I've got a piece of the I've got a timeshare in your property, says Ravshimanchkop. And he says, we we see this idea um, with the idea of Mashe Kana Evid Kana Rabo. We have a concept. That if, uh, if you have a slave and the slave acquires through a gift or inheritance or something, the slave inquires, uh, acquires a property 10 years after you acquired the slave. That property is yours. How can that be when, when you acquired the slave that the slave didn't have that property? Mashiach Kana'evit Kana'rab or Shimon says, You see in there that in the Shibud Haguf, when a person has rights. In another human being's rights to acquire. That's what a shibu da guf is. A shibu da guf doesn't mean you have a right in the person. You have a right in the person's right to acquire. So that when the person acquires, it goes directly to you. It kind of doesn't even go through the other person. can I evit, can I The same idea applies here. Explains of Shimon that when the, the husband, even though he doesn't have any property at the moment now, when he writes the Ksuba, he's giving his wife rights in himself, in, in, in his rights to acquire. So when he does acquire, what he acquires belongs to her. That's how Reb Shiman, in short, explains the, the, the tosavis. What's important for the purposes of the, of the math one is to understand how that changes the idea of what a Ksuba is. And, and what I got excited about when I learned this Reb Shimon is that I've never thought deeply enough about the fact that the word shibud spelled shin-ayin-bez-vav-dalad. What's the, what's the root of the word? Yeah. Eved. You, you're enslaving yourself. A shivud is an enslavement. We think of it as, shibud, as a mortgage, as a lien. We have all sorts of legal words for it. It's enslavement. And that's the idea when, when Tanakh says, it says Eved lovel le When a person borrows, he becomes an Eved to the creditor. There's a measure of avdut, there's a measure of ownership. When you have a shibud, even if it's a shibud in property, it goes through a shibud in goof. It goes through a, a, an enslavement of the individual, so to say. I own your rights to own. So when you have a piece of property, if you haven't paid my debt, I go and I claim and I claim it from, from whoever's got it, no matter how many times it's been sold, because it was never fully yours. Even when you owned it before you sold it to that stranger, when you thought you owned it, you didn't own it. You were enslaved to me for that ownership. That ownership belonged to me. You had no right to sell it to anybody else. That's the, the idea of Avdut. That being the case, what is a man doing when he writes a Ketuvah? He's enslaving himself to his wife in a certain way. Uh, there's a Shibu haguf, you own something in me. We like to think of a Ketuvah as, as a legal document. You have rights to this property in, that I have in Fifth Avenue, New York. No. You have rights in my rights to the property in 5th Avenue New York. You have a right in me. I'm Shubad. I am enslaved <coughs> to you. That's what's happening in the Ketuvah. And that's the most amazing thing to understand in the nature of that at, of that relationship. And it clarifies so many things that, that, yes, one of the things, and people often talk about how in the man is dominant and the man is the powerful person in the partnership and he owns the part, all of that, yes, that he's mishubad to her. And that's how the Gemara says if a man and a woman live together without a ktuva, it's a, it's like a biat znut. their relationship is prostitutional. Why? Because he hasn't sold, he hasn't enslaved himself to her. If a man hasn't, ins- hasn't subordinated himself to his wife in some form, and it doesn't matter that it's just a little bit, the same as we said, you can own a share in a property. You're a partner. You can own a timeshare in a property. You're a partner. My wife can own a small share in me, in my capacity to own a certain amount of property. She's a partner in me. She's not a partner in my business. She's actually a partner in me. That's what, that's what marriage is. That's what a ketuvah is. So when a husband, a chosin is about to sign a ksubeh, usually the rabbi says, do you understand what you're signing? You're obligating yourself to this, to that, the other. But he leaves out the most important thing. Do you understand what you're signing? You're giving your wife ownership of a piece of you. It's not just you that's koineh the wife. Under the chuppah, when you give her the ring, you're acquiring rights in her. But before you even get to the chuppah, you've given her rights in you not rights in your property rights in you because this is what the idea of a shibud means and we learn the idea explains of from the concept of an evid of what it means to be enslaved